Welcome to Talking Friars. I am your host, Ralph Shockey. Not joining me tonight is my co-host, Richard Scott. Unfortunately, he has too busy of a week this week. Uh, this is something we talked about off-air. Uh, you know, it's a big week for him. He's got multiple papers and essays and presentations. So I told him, Rich, don't worry about this one. I'm going to take care of it. Uh, tonight, we're going to do the Wisconsin recap and Kansas State preview. Welcome in. This is episode 21 on a Thursday evening, relatively warm Thursday evening for middle of November in Friartown on his Providence, Rhode Island. So welcome in. It's episode 21. It's Talking Friars. We're back. And we got the Wisconsin recap and Kansas State preview. Um, you know, I'm, I'm solo for this episode. It's only me. It's only Ralph. Uh, this is the only voice you're going to be hearing during this episode. So, you know, I hope you like it. If not, then you could, you know pause and go to another podcast if you may wish but yeah you know it's only going to be me tonight uh, i'm looking to go anywhere from like 25 30 minutes to an hour i've got about three pages of notes we're gonna go through the wisconsin game the players that stood out to me the offensive side of the ball the defensive side of the ball uh you know i feel like on this podcast we don't talk about the defense enough so that's something i really want to mention and get into obviously we're going to hit on the offensive side of the ball going to talk about Devin Carter, Jane Pierre, Joshua Doro, and then we're going to get into the Kansas State preview to wrap it up with a score prediction and Friar Fact at the end. But hope everyone's doing well. Welcome in once again, and without a doubt, or, you know, with that being said, we're going to hop into the Wisconsin recap here. So on Tuesday night, Providence defeated Wisconsin by a score of 72-59. It was a 13-point victory for the Friars, and we improved to 3-0, still undefeated on the season. Love to see that. And let's start with the offensive side of the ball. And when you think about this offense, your mind usually first goes to Bryce Hopkins, right? You can make an argument that overall he's the best player on this team. You can certainly make that argument that he's the best offensive player. You can certainly make that argument as well. You know, your mind goes to Bryce right off the bat. You know, he's a top 50 recruit, came in from Kentucky. We all saw what he was able to do last season, you know, basically propelled us to the first round of the NCAA tournament. You know, he's a very uh, unique and interesting size forward. You know, he's about 6'8", 6'9", but he can bully you inside, but he can also shoot the ball outside the paint, specifically in the mid-range, the three-point range. You know, I like to see him shooting more threes. Um, that's something he worked in the offseason with Coach English. You know, I don't know if you guys saw, but he woke, he woke up at uh, 6 a.m. every morning for a gym and the lift and lifting and stuff. So it's been a grind for him in the offseason. Um, and, but, you know, it's been a little bit of a shaky season for Bryce so far. Um, I wouldn't say that I've been very pleased with this play so far, but he had a pretty good game Tuesday night. He scored 16 points. But it almost felt like he was non-existent. It didn't really feel like it was really a Bryce Hopkins game. It didn't really feel like he was there, and he still had 16 points. So, you know, that kind of speaks to the versatility of this team, which has been great so far. You know, we had four players finishing double figures this game. I'm going to get more into that as we go throughout this episode. But yeah, I mean, your first your first thought is Bryce Hopkins, but that's actually not the first player I'm going to mention here on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, he's not even a player that I'm going to really highlight on this episode. So when you take Hopkins out of it, you kind of think, huh, who, who's going to be? Who's going to be? Is it going to be Garway Duel? No, I'm not going to talk about Garway Duel. I love Garway Duel, top 50 recruit, Houston, Texas. Um, you know, it looks like he's going to be picked in the first round of the 2024 NBA draft as a lottery pick. Um, wherever he goes and wherever he ends up, I know I'm going to buy his jersey for sure. I don't have a professional basketball team, by the way, if you folks are wondering. You know, my only basketball team is 
really the Friars, and that's it. So that's my team. You know, people ask me, oh, are you going to root for the Celtics or the Knicks? And I'm like, no, I'm just going to root for the Friars, and that's going to be that. So, yeah, I mean, Garway's going to get drafted. You know, best prospect since Chris Dunn. You know, it's like he's got the wingspan of Castro, and he's as big as Hopkins, and, and man, he's just he's just a beast. You know, I've seen him play three times in person so far this year at the Amp, and it's just been an absolute pleasure. Obviously, I wish he's been getting more minutes, but I completely understand starting Pierre at the point. But, man, he is just athletic. He's tall. He's lengthy. He can score. He can shoot. He's a great ball handler. He can drive. He can shoot. He can play defense. I mean, he's a complete package, and he's all ball. But, you know, with all that being said, um, the first player, as the lights go out with me, the lights here, I'm recording in a Smith Hall here, actually, at Providence College, and the lights just went out on me. So I can't see my notes right now, which is unfortunate. But we're going to try to get the lights back on, and there they go as soon as I try to get up above uh, my chair. I don't know why it's doing that. That's probably going to be something that I'll be battling throughout this episode. But with all that being said in these first five minutes, the first player I want to talk about is Devin Carter, the junior guard out of Miami, Florida. And the first thing I want to talk about with Devin Carter tonight is his game-high 21 points. And in fact, it was his sixth game. It was the sixth game of his career with 20 or more points. And man, this was last season. We talked a lot about Bryce Hopkins games, right? And respectfully so. But Tuesday night against Wisconsin, this was a Devin Carter game as he led the team with 21 points in his sixth game of his career with 20 or more points. And you know, I've been very happy with his play so far this season. And what stood out to me about about his play this season so far has has not been the defensive side of the ball because that's where he specializes. That's where he's a pest. He's one of the best and most underrated defensive players in the country. It's not the defensive side of the ball at all. I have no worries when it comes to Devin Carter on the defensive side of the ball. What has really stood out to me about his game so far this season, for me at least, has been his three-point shooting. He's been shooting a lot more threes, which is something I want to see and something I like to see. You know, I've seen him say in the media, yeah, you know, when I get a good look, I'm going to shoot it, you know, paraphrasing, obviously, but, you know, when I get a good look, I'm going to shoot it, you know, this coaching staff, Coach Inglis, they instill confidence in me, you know, I'm going to pull the trigger, all that good stuff and all that good stuff you want to hear. And in this game, Carter finished three of five from three-point range and six of eight from the floor. He was a very efficient scorer. He was a very efficient scorer, and that's what I like to see. And when you could have Carter getting the job done on not only the defensive side of the ball, but also the offensive side of the ball, and specifically from the floor and beyond that, from the three-point range, and when you could shoot three of five from three-point range, that's a problem. That's a problem for opposing teams, and that only makes this Providence Friars team harder to beat. And when you could have Hopkins going and Carter going, oh, man, I mean, that is a lethal one-two punch, man. That is a lethal one-two punch in this conference. I mean, when you could have Carter Carter and Hopkins going like that, man, it's it's something special, and that's something I really want to see going forward. But, you know, Devin Carter with his three-point mechanics, it's very odd and interesting. It's a little fascinating, honestly. Uh, you know, he's a right-handed shooter, but he kind of lifts the ball very slowly above his head and kind of follows through afterwards. It's a very interesting form, a very interesting motion. Uh, there was, in fact, this deep three that he hit late in the game. It was about three minutes to go in the second half. But three minutes left to go in the second half, and he drained it from deep, and I was just like, wow. I was like, okay, DC. You know, I didn't know you can hit that, but I'm glad you can hit it now. 
So, you know, I'm very happy with, with his offensive play this season because, you know, he he can not only score from the paint when he drives, you know, he drew he drew a few fouls the other night. Um, he can not only score from the paint as well when he's fading away, but if he can hit the three ball and he can hit that consistently, man, that's just that's a big problem and that'd be a big skill set and asset to his game. So I was very happy with DC when it came to him scoring the ball. And, you know, what's funny about DC is on the show last year, I would call him the bat out of hell, right? You know, he kind of locked up your best defender. He brought all the energy. And now I sort of want to shift my nickname from the bat out of hell to actually the energizer bunny. Because he sets the tone for this entire team. And he set the tone for the entire team this whole game from start to finish. I mean, if you were to say, if you were to give an MVP or the player of the game award, without a doubt for me, it would go to Devin Carter. Even though you can make a very, very good case for both Jaden Pierre and Josh Udora, who I'm going to touch on after I get through the rest of my DC notes. Um, so yeah, I think I think I'm going to change that nickname from the Bat of the Hell to the Energizer Bunny. You know, let me know what you guys think about that. By the way, um, if you don't follow the Instagram already, please do. It's at Talking Friars at T A L K I N F R I A R S Talking Friars. You know, feel free to drop a follow, leave a comment, like your post, share it with your friends, share it with your parents, share it with your parents' friends, whoever it may be. Uh, Rich and I greatly appreciate it, even though Rich isn't with me tonight. He'll be back with me on the next episode when we preview the Bahamara tournament and look uh, preview toward our next game. So, yeah, just a quick quick plug there for the Instagram. Would greatly appreciate any, you know, help, uh, you know, any comments, questions, concern, whatever it may be. We'd greatly appreciate it. Um, all right, shifting shifting from that plug to back to D.C. here. Not only did D.C. score effectively from the field with 3 or 5 from three-point range, 6 away from the floor, but he also led the team with a team-high 8 rebounds. I mean, folks, what more can you ask of Devin Carter in this game? Scored effectively from the field, team-high 8 rebounds, and he locked up Wisconsin's best player. What more can you ask for him? I mean, that is the definition of the most valuable player and player of the game, in my opinion. I mean, if we don't have Devin Carter in this game, we'd probably lose the game. We do, we do lose the game, in fact. We would. And so Devin Carter is just so valuable to this team. And I know. I get it. And I know a lot of folks want to talk about Bryce Hopkins. And I know I know Bryce Hopkins is, is a bully, and he's, you know, he's better on the offensive side of the ball, and that's where it's more sexy, and that's where all the college basketball fans like and want is a three-point shooting and an offense and Bryce Hopkins bully ball down low and all that good stuff. I get that. I get that. I get the guy. I get it. I get it. But this team is going to rely on both Hopkins and Carter. And in my opinion, just, I don't. I do not know why Devin Carter is so underrated. Not only in the Big East, but in college basketball as a whole, and the whole country. He's one of the best and most underrated defenders in the country. And I know people like to talk about Bryce Hopkins, this, that. And trust me, I love Bryce. I'm very glad he's with us. You know, this is going to be his last season with us, so cherish it while you can. You know, I hope he gets drafted. It looks like he's going to be drafted in the middle to late second round of the draft. I hope he does. You know, I'll probably get his jersey too based on where he ends up. But, you know, I feel like with this team – you know, when it's mentioned or it's being talked about, all the focus and attention goes to Hopkins, and deservedly so, but in my opinion, it should really be a 50-50 split. I mean, I know Hopkins is better on the offensive side of the ball, but 
you don't get offensive opportunities in the Big East and in this league without defense, and, and that's where Carter specializes, man. So, you know, we're going to keep sticking with the uh, Batman and Robin analogy and, and nickname for this duo, but, man, I just could not have been happier. Could not have been happier and more pleasantly surprised about Devin Carter's play Tuesday night. You know, another thing I want to mention with Carter is his effort. And I feel like his effort really energizes the rest, the rest of the team. And that's really where his tone comes from, is his effort. Because he never gives up on any play. He's always gives 110 effort. You know, you could see him Tuesday night um, after he made the three-pointer. And he was so fired up. He was pounding his chest, screaming, yelling. You know, he's so jacked up, so fired up. You know, I just love to see that. And, you know, he's just the best defender on the court by far, and it's not even close. I mean, if you were to, to give me a, a pick for, you know, a Swiss Army knife on this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it would go to Devin Carter without a doubt. I mean, he can much cover pretty much one through four, any one of one through four on any opposing team. That's how good he is. And I know people like to look to Hopkins because he shoots threes and he's a bully, but Man, it is fun to watch Devin Carter on defense. You, if you are a young basketball player and a Friars fan and you are listening to this, watch Devin Carter's film and watch his tape because you will not regret it. He will teach you a lot. And it's not a surprise he's the son of Anthony Carter who had a successful NBA career himself and he's now with the Grizzlies, I believe. Um, just a few more things on DC and then we'll shift to, to my next player. Um, you know, Not only is he the best defender on the court, but it's very hard to beat this team when he is on and going on both sides of the ball. If he can bring his defensive energy, tenacity, you know, almost game-wrecking ability on the defensive side of the ball, but also score efficiently and effectively from the, from the field and offensively, whether it's driving in the paint, drawing a foul, fadeaway jumper, mid-range, mid-range, mid-range fadeaway jumper, or from three, I mean... All of a sudden, this team can become a problem because not only do you have to worry about Hopkins, but now you got to worry about Carter too. And they got Oduro down low. You got Floyd coming off the bench. You got Garway Duel Duel coming off the bench. I mean, that's scary sights, man. That's scary hours. And if Carter, if Carter can, br- I don't think he will. But if he can bring like a twenty-one point or anywhere from like fifteen to eighteen or nineteen points a game, and show up every night on defense as he does. I mean, that's just scary. I mean, I mean that only increases the ceiling of this team, its expectations. I mean, it's, it's a scary thought. It's a scary sight. And it, may, and it very well may become scary hours in Providence, Rhode Island, too, if Devin Carter keeps us up. So, all in all, you know, couldn't be more happier and impressed by, by Carter's performance Tuesday night. And I look forward to him uh, continuing it tomorrow night against uh, Kansas State and the Bahamas. Um, all right. That's uh that's my Devin Carter segment. I'm gonna take a sip of water here, and we'll move on to our next player. So just a uh, quick, quick few second break here, and then we'll be back. All right, we are back. Just like a nice sip of water out of my Yeti. You know this Yeti thing has been a game changer. I've got it a few years ago. Uh, I was at Bass Pro Shops with my brother Jack and. Our good, our best friend, uh, Nolan McCormick. You know, if you're listening to this, Nolan, you know, love you, buddy. Can't wait to see you in a, in a few days for Thanksgiving break. But, yeah, I've had it for a few few years, and it's just a game changer. I mean, it keeps everything cold. 
I love it. I use it every day. You know, this podcast is not sponsored by Yeti. You know, this is not a Yeti sponsor or ad read or any of that, but I am just uh, shouting out Yeti because I'm a very uh, satisfied customer with their product. But enough of that. Enough of that being said. We're here for basketball and the Friars men's basketball team and not Yeti. So, Ralph, you know, you can stop that right now, which I will. And the second player we're going to be talking about tonight is Jaden Pierre. And specifically with Pierre, how he's taken that sophomore year leap. You know, Pierre, when he was coming in, you know, three-star recruit out of Elizabeth, New Jersey, you know, there were some expectations for him last season to, you know, is he going to take over the lead guard position or not? You know, what's going to happen there? Is he going to be a fit in Cooley's flex offense? And he had his moments last year. He had his flashes for sure. And going to the offseason, it was all about, you know, is Jaden Pierre going to take the leap? Is he going to take that leap? And then, obviously, he answered, enters the transfer portal. We hire English as head coach. And... You know, English is like, all right, I'm going to play you in a one-on-one for you to get your name into the portal. If I win, you're coming back to PC. You're coming back to Friartown. If you win, you, you're you allowed to keep your name in the portal. And so, obviously, English had that famous one-on-one that went viral on Instagram, on, on his Instagram Live. And, you know, that was really the first impression Friar fans got of Kim English, and everyone seemed to love it. I mean, you know, this young 30, mid-30 uh, your old head coach, NBA experience, played for the Pistons, you know, successful coaching career so far is, you know, one on one in your starting point guard for him to get his name out of the portal. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, that is just fantastic. It is just fantastic. And he won, too, when Kim English won, as we all know, and we all know and love at this point. And so then it became, okay, how does Jaden Pierre fit in this four-out one-in offense? And so far, I mean, man, he has just killed it. He has just killed. He is fast. He is physical. He's efficient. He's effective. And he has really taken that sophomore year leap. And the biggest reason why I am saying that is because of his increase in scoring. He was a high end offensively Tuesday night. He went three of three, three of three from three point range. You know, he was that hot hand from behind the arc, three of three from beyond the arc. You love to see that. You're up to nine points already. In fact, he scored 13 points of, on 5 of 7 from the field, from the floor, with 3 assists. You know, his uptick in scoring only makes me feel better about the lead guard position. Because when JP is having an off game or an off night, you can bring in Garway Duel off the bench, and I have no problems with that. But when JP is hitting, you know, 3 of 3 from the 3-point range and scoring 13 points and 5 of 7 from the floor with 3 assists, I mean, much like Devin Carter, I mean, come on. I mean, this team only gets harder to beat. And just from seeing Jaden from these last three games, it is clear, obvious, and evident that he has taken this leap. And the biggest reason why is his scoring. And I think, too, I think he's almost, I think he's taken on more confidence from Coach English, not only from that one-on-one, but also from the offense and the scheme he's now in. I think he's a much better fit. You know, he's great with the ball. He's great ball handling, great passer. He's very quick. He's very fast. You know, he can get to a lot of different spots very quickly. And, man, I mean, you can see why a former Big East head coach told Kim English that he needs Pierre in the Big East. You know, I was watching uh, Kim English's press conference with Devin Carter after the game Tuesday night, and he said, you know, yeah, you know, a former Big East coach texted me. It was like, you need Jaden Pierre in the Big East. And we are seeing that right now front and center, why Jaden Pierre, why we not only need Jaden Pierre in the Big East, but why we deserve and why Jaden Pierre deserves to be in the Big East, why we need him and why we want him and why he deserves a spot, why he deserves to be this team's starting point guard. 
he deserves it, man. He really does. And, you know, it was interesting when I was at our first game versus Columbia and Pierre came out as a starting point guard. I was like, huh, that's interesting. I thought Garway Duel would have started, you know, top 50 recruit, best prospect since Chris Dunn. It's going to be an NBA lottery pick in next year's draft. You know, why would you not start Garway Duel? And I was soon to find out through these first three games that Jane Pierre was ready for this opportunity. He was ready. He was prepared for this opportunity to take the leap. And so far, he's completely taken it from that scoring uptick. You know, and that, and him getting the start over Garway, sure as hell only gives him more confidence. Fire that three ball. Play tough on defense. Be a leader. Be a communicator. All that good stuff you look for out of the lead guard position. Pierre has it. Pierre has it, man. And it almost looks like he plays on a, on a chip on his shoulder, too. So, you know, man, I'm just I'm so happy with this team right now. I am so happy with this team right now. And I am completely A-OK with going forward with Jane Pierre at the lead guard position because if he can score like this on an in-and-out basis and facilitate like this, it's only going to make this team tougher to beat, man. It's only going to make this team tougher to beat. And when you have a dangerous one-two punch at point guard with Pierre and, and Garway coming off the bench, or you can even play him two at one, two at once, exciting stuff, man. It is exciting stuff. I mean, my brain can only go so far to imagine, you know, what what Kim can draw up for the guys and just have him ball, just have him play free, have him ball, and man, I mean, that is that is a dangerous one-two punch. Jaden Pierre Garway duel. I mean, the past few seasons, our guard depth has really been, it's been a huge con for us. It's, quite frankly, been our weak spot. You know, I mean, look at look at Jared Bynum. I love Bynum. He's great. Wishing him the best of luck at Stanford now. But he's undersized. You know, he had his games. He had his moments. But when you got Garway Duo at 6'4", Jaden Pierre at 6'1", you got the talent of them both. I mean, you got the experience of Pierre with last year. You got Garway, who's just... Just fantastic prospect. Has got everything you look for in the lead guard position. I mean, it's just, it's amazing and fantastic. And that's how you win in college basketball is three-point shooting, lead guard play, and defense. And you want to know what this team so far through three games has been great at? Lead guard play, three-point ball, and defense. It's no surprise that this team is 3-0. And one more thing, or well, two more things, actually, um, regarding Jaden Pierre. Uh, if English didn't win that one-on-one against him, things were very well could have been different. It very well could have been Garway duel at the at the one spot, lead guard spot for a forty minutes game, near a forty minutes game. But no, English won it. Jaden Pierre is back. Guard depth, lead guard depth, a lot of talent, a lot of experience. I mean, you just you just marvel at this lead guard depth, the guard depth as a whole in general. I mean, that's how you win in college basketball is guard depth, three-point ball, and defense. So for Pierre to have this kind of night and really prove to me and show me that, hey, I have taken the sophomore year leap. Look at my scoring efficiency. Look at my scoring upgrades. Look at my, look at my scoring improvement. That's a better word for it, for that matter. I have taken that leap, and he's taken the baton. And he's only going to run from from here. So, very bright future ahead for the sophomore guard from Elizabeth, New Jersey.
All right, I'm going to take one more sip of water, and then we're going to shift to our third player uh, on the offensive side of the ball tonight. <coughs> All right, we're back. Let's talk about Josh Adoro, the 6'9 graduate forward student from Gainesville, Virginia. Uh, I think a lot of folks were very hesitant and didn't really react to when he committed to PC after English was hired. I think a lot of folks just saw that as, okay, yay, yay, you know, all right, that's our forward, that's our center, we'll see what he can do, you know, we'll see what he can do, whatever. Um, you know, he's not a Donovan Klingon, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Joel Soriano, uh, any of the Oso Wigadoro, like any of those guys, like, we'll see, like, whatever, you know, Kim brought him up for George Mason, we'll see. But the thing I noticed about Josh Doro that's very different from centers in the past with with his team and Nate Watson and Ned Croswell have been has been his scoring. Uh, you know, Josh Doro can score. Like he can shoot. He can shoot. He can shoot from the paint, he can shoot from mid range, and even if the the right look is there offensively from the three point ball and three point range, he can hit it. He can knock it down. I know he's only six nine. I know he's only six nine, but He's a very fluid operator and fluid movement mover with the basketball in his hands. And when I was watching watching his tape after he committed, it was very clear and obvious that he's versatile and he can score in a multitude of ways. And he's very athletic, too. I don't think folks give him enough credit for how athletic he is. And, you know, just I have this I jotted I jotted this note down like just. Good things happen when the ball is when the ball is in his hands and when he's involved. You know whether he's scoring from his jump shot or assisting players from passes inside the paint to outside. Just good things happen when the ball is in his hands. When the ball is in his hands, and in fact, you know he plays the forward slash center position like a point guard. He's got great vision. He'll he'll be on and you know he just he plays like a point guard. He's you know, when he has the ball in his hand, he's always looking, 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 looking. He's he's just he's not looking to like try to go up and draw a foul. He's always looking, 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 looking. Fast isn't there. He's either gonna you know take it himself with a mid range jumper. He's gonna drive more to the hoop, or he's even gonna shoot the three. Like Josh Dora is a very unselfish player, and I feel like with him, he almost thinks, okay, that's pass first, shoot second, and you can just see it from when he has the ball, and he has great control of the ball too. He's always looking around for, okay, do I have a three-point attempt? Do I have someone cutting inside? Do I need to cut and pass it back outside so we can reset? Um, he's a very unselfish player. He always looks to pass first, score second, if, if the right look is there. And, yeah, I mean, he's just – he's versatile. He can score. He can legit score. He can legit score. I've been very happy with him so far. So, um, you know, he plays it like a point guard, as I said. And, you know, he'll at least be a serviceable forward slash center in Big East play, despite, you know, his 6'9 height. He'll at least be serviceable. And, you know, I think all of us know that the forward slash center position is our biggest, weakest link. It's our biggest, weakest link for sure. But if Odoro can at least be serviceable, which I think he's going to be, I think this team's going to be just fine. And we can worry about 2024 and 2025 with the forward slash center position after Odoro uh, inevitably graduates and, and moves on to his next uh, professional endeavor, whichever, whatever that may be. Uh, I'd say from a scheme fit in perspective with Odoro, 
I think this offense is perfect for him and his strengths. Uh, as I mentioned, he's a very unselfish player. And he wants what's best for his teammates. And I think that's really been part of the identity for this team so far has been that unselfishness approach and really the pass-first, score-second approach. And it's just led to more spacing, more opportunities, more more chemistry, more ball movement, more spacing. I mean, all of that that you look for. And I couldn't be happy with this team's offense uh, through the past past three games. Um, and, you know, going specifically into Adora's scoring, he went 6 of 6 from the, from the field, and he scored 13 points. I mean, if we can get 13 points out of Josh Odora consistently, I'll take it. I'll take it. And the fact that he went 6 of 6 from the field, I mean, he's efficient, he's effective, it's good shot selection. You know, it was a lot of mid-range shots that he knocked down. I mean, it's just, it looks smooth, it looks crisp, it looks natural. You know, he doesn't force anything. He's a very smart player. He's got a high basketball IQ. And, man, I mean, if he can go six of, I don't think he will, obviously, go six of six from the field consistently. But if, if he can get anywhere from 10 to 12 to 13 points, I'd be very happy with Adora. I'd be very happy with Adora. So, you know, I just, I love what I'm seeing out of him, too. I mean, he's just, he's a scoring, scoring forward slash center for me. I mean, he's athletic. He can score. Um, you know, I know there were concerns about his, you know, conditioning maybe in the first or second game, but. He really uh, stepped on the gas pedal when it came to that in his third game. And, yeah, I mean, there's just so much more spacing for perimeter players. I mean, it's just so nice having him down low in the paint and have four outside and, and give him the freedom to either, one, A, take it, take it himself, or, two, B, pass to the outside, or even, three, C, set a screen, give an open lane to another player, allow more spacing, allow more freedom, kick it out again, shoot the three ball, drive inside, whatever it may be. It just allows more freedom, allows more options. Um, you know, the players get to play to their strengths. I mean, that's all you can ask for. Um, it only really, it only creates good, more good three-point looks. And another underrated asset of Odoro's game has been, you know, him as a passer and distributor. You know, as I was mentioning, it, it's almost like, he looks to pass first and, and score second, and he had four assists in the night. So, you know, round of a round of applause. <laughs> round of applause for Mr. Josh Adora. I was very happy. Very happy with your game Tuesday night, and I, uh, I look for you to continue that tomorrow night in the Bahamas versus Kansas State. I'm going to take one more drink, sip of water. Hope all you folks are doing well. Uh, we're about 30 minutes into this episode recording. I'm going to look to go through the offense, other offensive notes, get to the defensive side of the ball, other general notes, and then we'll close out with the Kansas State preview. Uh, with the pace I'm going with right now, this will probably be over, over an hour. Uh, you know, at the top of this episode, I thought it was going to be anywhere from like 25, 30 minutes to an hour. Looks like it's going to be more than an hour, but you know, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're settled in. You know, if you're of age, you know, I hope you're enjoying a uh, adult beverage tonight. You know, sit back, relax, enjoy that beverage. Maybe have some food with you. You know, with friends, family, whoever it may be. You know, it's that time of year. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. You know, happy Thanksgiving to everyone uh, prematurely. Um, I don't know if we'll have an episode before Thanksgiving, so just want to wish that to everyone right now. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. 
uh, happy holidays too, for that matter. So, all right. With that all being said, you know, enjoy that beverage, food, family, friends, whoever it may be, and let's dive back into this episode. All right. So the direction I want to take this right now is just hit on some other offensive notes I had. Uh, I, I liked that I started with Pierre or Carter, excuse me, and then I went to Pierre and then I went to Adora. Now let's just hit on some other offensive notes and then we'll shift to the, to the uh, defensive side of the ball. Uh, we never trailed through the duration of the game. Uh, it was funny. I was at the game with a few of my buddies, you know, Ryan McGuire, Tommy Tarici, Dan Nesbitt, uh, a few of my good friends here at PC. And, you know, we were up by, at one point, 20-21, and it didn't even feel like it. it. It just it felt like a close game. It didn't even feel like But, you know, now looking back on the game, we never trailed through the duration of the game. We never trailed a single second in the game. And that was just great and awesome to see. You know, a little bit of a concern of mine going into the season was, is this team going to get off to fast starts? And specifically, is this team going to get off to fast starts against not only the Big East teams, but the big teams at a conference like Wisconsin Tuesday night, right? And, you know, so far that the answer to that question has been yes. This team is able to get off to hot starts versus good teams and at a conference teams like Wisconsin. Even though, you know, um, you know, Wisconsin is returning all their starters and players and they'll be upper to middle in the conference in the Big Ten. But, yeah, I mean, we never trailed through the duration of the game. I mean, that's just something you love to see. I mean, we started fast, uh, you know, I like to compare this offense to watching the Miami Dolphins with the three-point shots, the pace. It's almost like watching, you know, Tennessee's offense. If you if you guys or if anyone listening watches, you know, Tennessee's college football offense. I mean, it's just like a track meet. And I love the pace. I love the rhythm. I love the speed of this offense. And yeah, it's just great to see that we never trailed through the duration of the game. And it was a fast start. And that's something I want to see going forward, regardless of opponents. So. That was really awesome to see. Um, my next bullet point here, four players scored in double figures. We had Hopkins with 16, Odoro with 13, Pierre with 13, and Carter with 21. Um, yeah, I mean, it just speaks to the versatility of this team. I mean, when you can have four players scoring double figures like this, like Hopkins, Odoro, Pierre, Carter, Floyd, Garway, whoever it may be, it just it only makes the team tougher to beat. It's more versatile. It is way more versatile. You know, the less the less pressure on Bryce's shoulders and the less pressure of him to, like, take over the game from start to finish, the better. I mean, with the spacing, with the offense, with the Doro inside, with the freedom, ball movement, screens, three-point shots, attempts, scoring and runs. I mean, you know, we are almost seeing a complete philosophy change from Cooley's flex offense to a lot of iso ball to throwing it down low to the center to almost a we-over-me approach, and this team being very unselfish, pass first, score second, you know, make sure you were always getting the best possible look you can. You know, it was interesting, I was listening to English's press conference the other night, as I mentioned before, earlier in this episode, and he was talking about, you know, how they almost get like a, a, a shot selection report after every game, so I thought, I thought that was very interesting, very fascinating, but going back to four players scoring in double figures, I mean... It's awesome. It's amazing. You want to look for that versatility. And the more guys that can beat you, the better. That's only the better for this team. And when you could have four guys that score in double figures, it's only better. It's only going to help you win the game, too. The less pressure off Bryce Hopkins, the better. So to see four players scoring double figures like that is just, just fantastic.
Uh, let's talk about the three ball. Uh, we finished 8 of 18. For those folks doing the math at home, that would be 44.4% from three. Uh, and, yeah, you know, I I didn't hate the looks that we were taking. Uh, and most notably, I remember Garway hit a three. Carter obviously hit a couple. Um, I'm blanking on the other ones. But, you know, when I've watched this team so far through the first three games, it's not like I'm like, oh, man, we're just chucking up rainbows and the shot clock's running down. Like, no, these are all good looks, and they come from the pace, the ball movement, the screening, pass first, shoot second philosophy. And, yeah, I mean, if we can if we can shoot a little bit better than that from three, 44.4%, that'd be nice. Like, if we can get in the 50s, that'd be really great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to come on here and say like, I'm complaining about the three point shots or, oh man, you know, English doesn't know what he's doing or, you know, these are horrible shots, bad takes, you know, why are we shooting so many threes? Like, no, I'm not going to come on here and do that. There have, there's not been any to none to minimal times where I've disagreed with the shot selections from three. I mean, the shot, all the shot. Nearly mostly to all the shots have been good looks. It's just they're not falling just yet. And quite frankly and honestly, that's to, to be expected. I mean, we're only three games in, and, you know, this team's only going to get more chemistry, click more, and the shots are only going to fall more throughout the rest of the games. And it was interesting. You know, Jane Pierre said at the press conference the other night, he was like, yeah, you know, we almost shoot you know, nearly a 1,000 shots a game. And I was like, whoa, whoa, 1,000 shots a game. That's a lot. So it's no surprise that we're seeing this team shoot more threes compared to last season under a new coaching change, offensive philosophy, and I'm all here for it. I am all here for it. I am all for having a team that is led by its guards, a team that's led by the three-point ball, and a team that's led by its defense. Because as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and in, in this episode, that's how you win in college basketball today. It's defense, it's three-point ball, and it's guard depth. And, and thankfully, and quite frankly... We have all three. Like, how much does that excite you? How much does that excite you? After seeing St. Saint, uh, John's go down, after seeing Georgetown go down, after seeing uh, Villanova go down to UPenn, who I think is our, you know, biggest opponent in terms of conference standings outside the top three. I mean, how much better does that make you feel about the upcoming season? Guard depth, defense, three-point ball. It's only going to get better throughout the season. So it is very, very hopeful, very optimistic time right now. Through three games as we're undefeated in three and Um oh shoot, well the lights just went out on me again, so that's that's great. Oh, they just came back on. Just had to little wave my my hand out in front. Uh, you know, let's continue with the shooting theme. And I'm going to say that we shot the ball out of a cannon. We shot the ball out of a cannon. What do I mean by that? Well, let me just tell you that we went on a 17-4 to run over a six-minute span and never looked back. That was the game. That was the game, and that's where the game was decided. And that 17-4 to run. It was over after that. As I just mentioned, we never trailed throughout the duration of the game. 17-4 to run, bang, over. And you want to know where those points came from and why the run happened? Pace, defense, transition defense, transition offense, and the three-point ball. The three-point ball. Basketball is a game of runs, folks. Basketball is a game of runs. And usually the team that has more runs ends up winning the game. 
And it's no surprise that we had more runs than Wisconsin and won the game. And that first run, 17-4, decided the ball game, ball game over. Didn't trail after that point in the whole entire game. Game was over after that run. Going off of that, just I, I just want to mention like the pace, the aggressiveness, fastness, taking good three-point attempts that this team has had. You know, there's not a lot of this. Like, there's not a lot for me to complain about on this episode or about this team over the over the first three games. Besides, maybe the free throw shooting, maybe the free throw shooting and the fouls. But folks, that's being nitpicky at most and at best. That I mean, that, I, that's just me nitpicking. Maybe, maybe Bryce, maybe, maybe, maybe Bryce. But that's just being me being nitpicky. I mean, it's. I just couldn't be more happier. This team is so damn fun to watch. I just couldn't be happier. Um, you know, shifting to Bryce real quick. I'll mention him here real quick. He had a good 16-point game, I'd say. But he almost seemed non-existent. Hey, obviously, he was out there, but it wasn't like my eye was on him as much as it usually is. I mean, obviously, when he has the ball in his hands, sure. Sure. But... This team doesn't need to have to rely on Bryce to win games. And the less pressure off his shoulders, the better. Like, he had a very, very quiet 16 points. And what we're seeing out of Hopkins is that bully ball. That bully ball is back. That bully ball in the paint is back. And I love to see that. You know, be that wrecking ball. Be that wrecking ball. You are bigger and stronger than the four on the opposing team. Be that wrecking ball. Get into the paint. Either draw a foul or open up a good look for one of your teammates and hit him in the corner, outside, three, whatever it may be. You take it yourself and do it, or create another opportunity for your teammate. And so Bryce had a good game, but it was very quiet and almost feel like it didn't happen. And when you can blow out a team like Wisconsin, and one of your lead to main talking points isn't Bryce Hopkins, that's pretty impressive, folks. And just the last thing with the offense real quick before we shift to defense. It's just such an offensive schematic upgrade. It's so much more fun to watch. I've just I've enjoyed this team so much so far through these first three games. I mean, I'm a New York Giants fan, and this season hasn't been great for us. You know, as long as we end up with one of Caleb Williams or Drake May, that's going to be a success in my book. Have the franchise quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, let Jones go after this year. We can get out of his contract after next season it's only a two-year 82 million dollar contract if you really look at it in the grand scheme of things so i've been looking forward to this friars team very much and i mean not only the friars team but this podcast obviously and it's given me hope and optimism and joy and happiness and actually looking forward to watching this team play i mean they're just so much fun to watch whether it's offensively like the ball movement the screening the three-point attempts the spacing the four out one end or on defense, the physicality, the toughness, the grit, the effort, this, the winning plays, Josh Adora, ticket gains. I mean, how could you just not love this team? I mean, there's tough and energy, grit, passion, all that, all that into one. I mean, it's really fantastic, and it's really a blessing to watch. So I couldn't be more thankful and grateful to watch this team right now. Um, that being said, we're about 43 minutes, 43 and a half minutes into this. I'm going to take a sip of water real quick. And then we'll shift into the defensive side of the ball.
Alright, we are back. Hope you guys are still doing well. Uh, you know, for the adult adult crowd out there, hope you're enjoying your beverage or food, family member, uh, friend, whoever it may be. Hope you guys are settled in, enjoying the show. I uh, would love to hear any you know feedback you folks may have. Uh, you know, at Talking Fries on Instagram. But all right, now with all the offensive performance scheme analysis all broken down and given, let's shift to the defensive side of the ball and into side of the ball that I really want to spend a lot more time on this podcast diving deep into. I you know I think it's much easier to really scout and analyze offense rather than defense because it's more sexy and more fun and that's what all the college basketball fans want. Uh, but let's shift to the to the defense. Uh, we only held Wisconsin to only twenty one points in the first half. I mean, they didn't. You know, we only held them to twenty one points, which is great. But they did win the second half, thirty eight thirty five, and went on a ten hour run at the end of the game. And you know, I was watching that Kim, Jaden, Pierre, Devin Carter press conference, and Coach English was saying how you know they went on a ten hour run at the end. That's unacceptable. Can't happen. And, and Coach Dennis Felton was pissed. And then a reporter asked him, you know, were you pissed too? And he was like, not as much. And he kind of shrugged it off, so that was funny. But I love that we only held Wisconsin to only 21 points in the first half. Uh, looks like we're sticking to that man-to-man defense. Uh, I saw a few trap press plays, but wasn't anything huge there. Um, I don't think I saw any zone. I think it was really just man-to-man. Uh, it was only like a, it was almost like an out physical, out tough kind of game. Um, only limiting them 21 points is huge. Uh, you know, we can't lose second halves like 38, 35 going forward. Uh, statistically getting into it, Wisconsin shot eight of 32. That'd be good for 25% from the field. And they were only one of 11, 9.1% from three. I mean, only, only hold, hold them to 25% from the field and one of 11 from three point range. I mean, just fantastic. Just fantastic. Um, but they did finish 21 of 62, 33.9%. So they did better uh, in the second half than the first half. In 5 of 20, uh, they did much better from the three-point line in the second half as well from three. I just, again, you know, can't can't let them win the second half like that by three points. But yeah, I've been I've been very happy with this defense. It's, it's physical. It's tough. It makes winning plays. It gives a lot of effort. Uh, rebounding effort, especially, really stands out to me. Multiple players go to the ball every time a shot's up. It's been a it's been a very nice, pleasant surprise for me. So, um, I guess ending out the defensive notes, getting into some other notes. Uh, I guess we'll split it fifty fifty. Uh, we won the rebound battle, 33-30. That would be good for a plus-three margin. Um, yeah, you know, again, you know, multiple guys going after the ball, playing with energy, playing with effort. Uh, it's not like, you know, one guy is like, me, 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 I'm going to grab it. No, it's multiple players, and that, that's what you want. And we won the foul battle as well, 23-16, plus-seven on the foul battle, foul battle. Excuse me. So I was very happy there. You know, you're not... You're not committing a lot of stupid fouls or, you know, fouls that are going to hurt you. Um, you know, when you win the rebound battle, it gives you only more opportunities. When you're creating less stupid fouls and penalties, it only gives you more opportunities as well. You'd love to see those two. Uh, however, uh, we did lose the turnover battle 18-12. to 12. Not very thrilled about that. Um, we can't have 18 turnovers and expect to win too many Big East games. 
Uh, those got a limit. Those need to be limited versus Kansas State tomorrow night. Uh, we can't have 18 turnovers and expect to win that game. Uh, you know, that's 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 really. I mean, that's only one of two really nitpicks that I have between losing the turnover battle and losing the free throw battle. But we did win the assist battle, 11 to six, so that was good. You know, that goes back to the unselfishness identity of this team, which I've loved seeing so far. And just one more, one more note, or a few more notes on the defensive side of the ball. Um, a defense plays with a lot of energy and effort. It's very tenacious. Tenacious, excuse me. There's like there's little to no communication errors, especially in the man defense. It's very easy to do that, you know, with rolling screens and screens being set. And it seems like we're just very in sync with one another. It's almost like everyone knows their assignment, and you know, Devin Carter is the leader of that charge. So. You know, Dennis Felton, hats off to you so far for coaching these boys up and really coaching a uh, defensive master class Tuesday night versus Wisconsin. Been very, very impressed with it so far. And let's keep it up. Let's keep up the physical, tough press man coverage uh, versus Kansas State tomorrow night. Carter's obviously the leader of that charge. And, you know, stick to our assignments. Very good communication. Everyone knows what to do on each play. And, yeah, I mean, let's just let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Won the rebound battle, huge. Keep that up. And, yeah, I mean, let's just, let's just keep going, man. And, you know, the only player – oh, the lights just went out on me again. Let's try this again. Oh, we got it. The only player that really killed us, killed us in air quotes, if you want to put it that way nicely, was A.J. Storr uh, for Wisconsin with 22 points. But rather than that – I mean, they had this one other player with 11, and then that was pretty much it for them. And then they had, like, a divided, you know, X amount of players with X amount of points to round out the scoring for the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, but, yeah, that's that's it uh, for the defensive side of the ball. I guess this is kind of a – this is uh, yeah, I guess with that now we'll shift to other general notes before we get into the Kansas State preview. This is definitely going to go – Going to go over an hour, by the way, for the folks listening to this. Uh, for one, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, for two, you know, if you're running on time or whatever it may be, you might just want to pause it here and, you know, go wherever you need to go, maybe take a break, come back to it. Uh, I still have got other general notes to cover and then the K-State preview. But, yeah, this is definitely going to go over an hour. Uh, I didn't think I would go this long, but, hey, I'm all for it. I don't have anything to do right now not in a rush I mean this is one of if not my favorite thing in the world so this is awesome this has been great for me tonight um but yeah let's let's hop into the other general notes here um Wisconsin retained all of its players and the folks listening to this only know this that PC only retained a few uh, most most notably Jaden Pierre Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins and it almost looked vice versa Tuesday night. It looked like Wisconsin only retained a few, a few key players and PC re- returned all of them, when in fact it was the opposite way around. PC only retained a few players and Wisconsin returned everybody, and PC was just way more in sync. It was way more smooth. It was way more easy. It was way more quick. And that's when you know that a team is not only organized, but they're prepared. And they're prepared to compete, and they're prepared to compete their butts off, and that's what we did. It was a war, it was a battle, it was a street fight, and we came out of that street fight with a 13-point victory. 
and Wisconsin had its whole team returning. And then speaks credit to the whole coaching staff, the players, the commitment, the effort, the practice, the discipline, organization, communication, all that good stuff. So uh, when you know when I read that on Twitter, I was like, wow, it almost looked vice versa, and you know it really did. So for this team to be clicking like this, only three games into the season, I mean, it's only going to continue to get better throughout the rest of it. So very happy there. All right, let's get to our second note. This is the first big and real test for Kim English, and he passed with flying colors. You know, a lot of folks were were worried about Kim English making the jump from the A-10 to the Big East. They were like, ah, I don't know if Kim English can coach. You know, the Atlantic 10 is weak. It's nothing like the Big East. You know, this and that, this and that. But when you have players that fit your offensive scheme damn near perfectly, when you have Bryce Hopkins, Devin Carter, Jaden Pierre, Garway Duel, Corey Flo, I mean, when you're seven deep with your starting five and Garway and Corey Floyd Jr. coming off the bench, that's pretty nice. That's a lot of talent. That's a lot of talent. That's a hell of a roster with, with depth, by the way. And I was just talking about how, you know, this power slash center possession has been a weak link for this spot. And, you know, the guard for, guard position for that, too. I, th- I still think forward slash center is still weak, but the guard guard depth is huge. Massive upgrade in Pierre and, and Garwa. But, I mean, just the team's overall depth in general and as a whole. I mean, it's just fantastic. You were seven deep. And if we are lucky enough to make it into March Madness with a seven deep rotation, could very well win a game or two. Could very well win a game or two with that three-point shooting, our defense, and... Um, Three-point shooting, defense. What was the third one? Oh, shoot. I'm forgetting the third factor. Uh, Three-point shooting, defense. And what was the third one, Ralph? You're blanking. You're blanking. Which one is it, buddy? Um, Three-point shooting, defense. Three-point shooting, defense. And guard play. Guard play. That was it. Sorry about the uh, interruption there, folks. I was I was blanking on it. Uh, Three-point play, guard play, and defense. Um, you know, we could very well win a game or two in March. Um, but yeah, I want to make a side note about Kim and Coach English. Um, he's a player's coach. And you can see that very easily from the jump. You can see it from his energy, his emotion, and his passion. And you can see it very easy on the sideline. Him running down the sideline, getting fired up, getting real fired up, getting really passion, passionate about it. And you can see that very easily. And these players, you can tell that they love Coach English and they have bought into him because, you know, Divine Providence said this on Twitter. Uh, you know, everyone listening, please give him a follow. He's a great Twitter follow. Um, he said, you know, he saw little to none, you know, players yapping or talking with Coach English when they took him out. And during Cooley's tenure, you would see that pretty often with players like Reeves and Watson, et cetera. And there was almost little to none of that with English. And that just goes to show you that not only are they bought in, but they respect English and, you know, they're willing to go to war for this, for their coach. So that was awesome to see. You know, it was really funny, the uh, the press conference moment between English and Devin Carter. Uh, Devin Carter gave out an answer and Kim English goes, ah, oh, that's a great answer. And then Devin Carter like laughed and smiled and he was like, thank you. And then Kim English goes, you're welcome, buddy. And it was just funny. Like, if you haven't seen it, go to the uh, Providence Athletics YouTube channel 
and you know you can click on the uh, press conference and, and go go find it it's only about eight minutes long the whole video but it was just a funny funny moment you know Carter looked at English with a big smile and laughed and you know what I, this is a subtle notice but you know after the players are done at the press conferences English goes like good job daps him up and you know it just Something small and little like that can go a long way. So it's, it was very cool and funny to see that moment between Carter and English. Um, just going back offensively real quick, playing very unselfish, complimentary basketball. You know, there's really no side carrying the other. It's really been a 50-50 split. You know, I've almost been more impressed with the defense more than the offense, but both are just playing playing great right now. It doesn't look like we're only three games into the season. It looks like this team's in midseason form, and it's only going to get better throughout the rest of the season. So I'm just—I've been very impressed with both sides of the ball so far. You know, I've mentioned it several times in this episode before, but we look to pass first, shoot second, create opportunities for your teammates. Don't do it all yourself. It's a we over me approach. Uh, you know, it's a team game. There's no iron team. Um, you know, you can easily see English's identity in this team whether it's the spacing, the freedom, the ball movement, he's really putting his players in positions to be successful and to their strengths. And on the defensive side of the ball, too, it's very physical, tough, sticky, multiple players going after rebounds, multiple players going after the ball, communication. Um, you know, you can easily easily see it. The passion, the energy, all that, you can easily see it in the defensive side of the ball. And it, it didn't feel like a blowout, but it, it was one, thankfully. I mean, I mentioned it a little earlier, like, we were up by 20, 21 at one point, and it felt like a six to seven point game. But I was, I looked up at the scoreboard. I'm like, oh shoot, we're up by 20 or 21. Like, great, awesome. But it didn't feel that way. Um, but I'm, I'm just glad we got the win. Uh, no matter if it's by one point or 100 points, I'm just glad we got the job done. Uh, keep stacking wins. We're with three now, and we got a big one versus Kansas State tomorrow. Um, uh, what do I want to say? Oh, just you know. We can't let the better Big East teams win second halves like Wisconsin did because if that happens, then um, it's only going to lead to more more Big East losses. We just got to, I think, just tighten up in the second half. Um, yeah, there hasn't been a lot of sloppy ball with this team so far this season, but I think the second half just got to clean up just a bit. I know we only lost it by three, but still, you can't expect to win Big East games if you're playing like that. And again, that's me nitpicking, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, I just kind of try to be a perfectionist with this team. So, you know, that's 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 one of the only few nitpicks I have. Um, you know, I think with this win and Villanova going down and St. John's going down, I think I think this team showed showed us that it's got top four Big East standings potential and upside. I mean, the the top four is really the sky's the limit. I mean. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get close to UConn, Marquette, and Creighton. I just don't, but this team has definitely shown me through three games and, you know, watching Villanova and watching St. John's both go down, like, this team could definitely make the top four, and, you know, that's might that might be where my expectations go after this one. So, very happy about that. And, you know, I guess the, I guess the last nitpick I really have here is we lost the free throw battle. You know, Wisconsin shot 12 of 12, 100%, to us who shot 16 of 27 for 59.3%. Yeah, that's really the only really big to general nitpick I've had. 
of this season so far has been the free throw shooting. You know, you're not going to win in March if you don't shoot the free throw ball well. You're not going to win Big East games that are physical, tough. you got to grind them out, everyone for that matter. If you're not shooting well, if not better than the other team from the free throw line. So that's just got to clean up. But uh, sorry, folks. Uh, the hour went up on anchor. So I'm just starting. I'm just going to start from the uh, free throw battle bullet point that I jotted down here. Um, you know, I record on anchor. And when an hour goes up, I got to like save it um, before I publish it. So it just got cut off there. But anyways, the free throw battle, uh, you just got to be better from the line. I can't shoot like that if you expect to win Big East games and, and games going forward. So we just got to kind of clean that up and get better there. Um, but with all that being said, uh, about an hour, hour or so into this episode, uh, finally going to get into the Kansas State preview. Uh, the first thing that stands out to me about Kansas State is they're a very quality opponent, right? Uh, they made the Elite Eight last season. I believe Jerome Tang is one of the best coaches in college basketball. Uh, you know, it'd be another statement win if we were to win it. Um, if we're able to go 2-0, we'll absolutely be ranked. Um, if you we were to beat Kansas State tomorrow night, we would face one of Miami or Georgia in the championship. And if we were to go 2-0, we'd definitely be ranked in the top 25. My guess is anywhere from like 18 to 25, but let's not get there yet. Let's pump the brakes. Let's, you know, face Kansas State first, beat them, and then move on to the championship game to, you know, Georgia or Miami, whoever it may be. But, you know, we're on to Kansas State. Let's just focus on them right now, and we'll go from there. Uh, we're a one-point favorite, so it's going to be a close one. Uh, that's what the odd, odds makers are thinking. Um, you know, if you're if you're a betting man or a woman, for that matter, listening to this, um, you know, you're, you're better off taking the, the PC money line than the one-point favorite. You know, that one point is a little too small for me. Uh, but it's more one point favorite. Uh, expect a close game tomorrow night. Expect a dog fight, another fight, another street fight. Um, so we'll see how it all goes down tomorrow. Um, you know, one thing that worries me is that Kansas State has already played a neutral site game, and what worries me is uh, English Ralph, please. Uh, what worries me about that is that all of our games have been home games, and we haven't played a neutral site game yet. Um, I just think back to last season when we were first in a neutral site, those first two games in a neutral site, uh, excluding March Madness. You know, we lost to Miami and St. Louis. Uh, you know, this Wisconsin win does remind me of, uh, you know, the Mohegan Sun tournament last year where we went 0-2 versus Miami and St. Louis, but I we were at home, so that's a big difference. Um, you know, call me biased or whatever you want, but we have one of, if not the best, home environment and atmospheres and advantage. Uh, in college basketball, uh, I don't think that can be disputed. So you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what this team plays like and the energy that this team has on a neutral site. You know, when we're away from home with you know one of if not the best the best uh, Big East fan base uh, in the league in the conference. So it's going to be interesting to see how we perform in a neutral site. Got to bring the energy for sure, because if this team doesn't have any any or enough energy, then you know we're going to lose the game. So. It'll be interesting to see how we play in our first neutral game side of the season. Interesting to see how Kim ha- handles it, and, you know, how we look, our energy, uh, if any frustrations happen, you know, scoring runs by Kansas State, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, they've got uh, a little bit more experience on that end than us right now. So we'll see how it all goes down tomorrow night. Um, Kansas State lost two key players 
in Noel and Johnson. That's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, we'll see who steps up for them. Um, it's going to be a defensive battle. As I mentioned, it's only one point spread. It's going to come down to who wants it more um, between two teams. Uh, we got to limit Kansas State from beyond the arc. That's really why they where they specialize and, and get most of their points from. Uh, I don't know if they run a four out one in offense like we do, but oh, excuse me. Um, got to limit them from behind the arc. Got to play up front, tight, physical, sticky, press man coverage, and just you know fight for every rebound. Uh, limit second opportunities. Have multiple players dive after the ball, go after the ball. You know, nobody be selfish. Just just go for it. Bring it down and start the next offensive possession. Uh, you know, the two key players we got to watch out for on Kansas State are Perry and Carter. Uh, not Devin Carter. Don't Please please don't get confused. Um, we really got to limit them. Uh, those are their two star key players. Um, if we're able to limit them, that would give us a really good chance of winning this game. You know, if we're able to limit them, Perry and Carter, uh, limit them from the end of the arc, you know, win the rebound battle, assist battle, foul battle, etc., I think we got a real uh, strong chance of winning this one, but those are a lot, a lot of boxes we got to check. So just got to take uh, check one off one by one, and it's really going to come down to who plays better defense and you know who's the better one-two punch between Perry and Carter and Hopkins and Carter. So I feel like that's really going to be where the game is won, and it's going to be another barometer game. Um, you know, the main difference obviously is you know. I give Kim almost more of a pass when it comes to the Wisconsin game because that was at home, uh, whereas this one is obviously in a neutral site. But it's going to be another Brommer game. I mean, we're facing a team that was in the Elite Eight last season, one of the best coaches in college basketball in the country, and Jerome Tang. And, you know, I know they lost um, Noel and Johnson, but they reloaded, re-upgraded with Perry and Carter. And, you know... As we go throughout the season, we're only seeing more of how good this team is. And, you know, we're really going to see, okay, is this team legit if they beat Kansas State? Or was the Wisconsin win a, was a fraudulent win because we were at home and Wisconsin, like, isn't that great? Which one is it going to be? Which which side of the coin? Which side of, you know, the seesaw is it going to is it gonna turn and it's going to go? So... Yeah, I mean it's 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 really going to be a barometer evaluation game. Um, I'd be thrilled, obviously, if we win. I mean, obviously, that's what I want and what we're rooting for. It'd be huge to go one and zero in that tournament or neutral site, take down a team that was in the Elite Eight last season. Um, but if we lose, then then it becomes okay. Is are all of our wins only going to be at home? Is can this team play on the road? Can this team play on the road in the Big East? Yeah, that becomes a little bit of a worry of mine. Uh, I don't want, like if we lose, I don't want to freak out about it. But it would only give me you know flashbacks to Miami and St. Louis from last season. Uh, so you know playing on the road in a neutral site is going to say a lot about this team and you know what kind of energy they bring, passion, uh, if they're prepared, if they're confident, if they're organized, if they're going to communicate. You know that's all going to going to be shown tomorrow night in uh, Bahamar, uh, excuse me, in the Bahamas. So, yeah, I mean, if we win, great. 
I'm only going to feel better and more happier if we lose. Why? What are the reasons? What went wrong? What can we do better? What can we fix up? You know, is this team only going to win at home? Can this team win on the road in neutral site? Can this team win on the road in the Big East? I don't know. We're going to find that out. But, yeah, I mean, that's really the big thing for me is, is this team able to win a neutral site on the road? If so, why and how? If not, also why and how? And what can we do better regardless to improve and improve before our next game? It's going to come down to can we win a neutral site? Can we win on the road? Can we limit Perry and Carter? Can we limit them from beyond the arc? And, you know, really winning the defensive assist and, and foul battles, in my opinion. So those are kind of my keys to the game, uh, my, like, five to six six uh, checklist of a recipe. And now to close out the show, I'm going to give you guys a score prediction and the Friar Factor. This is a nice, nice segment. And a nice way that I've liked uh, ending the shows, ending the shows this season, ending with the score prediction and the Friar Factor. Uh, I think it's a fun segment to end off with. You know, obviously we do a preview and recap uh, on each episode. So to have my score prediction, then my Friar Factor. I think it's a cool name for it. So we're gonna go right ahead and do this. Um, yeah, you know, it's a uh, it's a one point favorite spread, and my score prediction is. Providence 72, Kansas State 69. I think this team gets it done. I think this team is on a roll right now, playing with a lot of momentum. That's very confident. I liked what I saw assist-wise, rebounding-wise. Um, I liked you know, the defensive energy and tenacity we brought. Um, you know, if we can do a little bit better, do a lot better from the three-point range after the Wisconsin game, that only make me feel better. And, you know, even though I w- haven't watched Kansas State a ton, I trust the one-two punch of Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter more than um, but, than uh, Perry and, and Carter. So that's why I'm taking us in this game, three-point victory. I think it's going to be a defensive battle, but uh, I think we end up with a three-point dub in victory. So that's my score prediction. And for my fire factor, I'm going to go with Bryce Hopkins. Uh, he had a good game. Last game versus Wisconsin. I think Bryce is going to take this game personally. He's going to be a bully. Uh, he's going to play bully ball, and you know he's going to remind college, the college basketball world, Kansas State, and all fans and folks of Friartown that, yeah, I'm still him. I'm still Bryce Hopkins. You know, I'm still that guy. Um, you know, he's coming off some momentum from that 16-point performance, but you know he's only he's only going to keep getting better, keep improving, and I think Bryce is going to take this one personally and, and be uh, be our key player uh, to victory that we'll be talking about on the next episode. So, yeah, uh, that's all I got for you guys tonight. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Uh, I thought this was going to be anywhere from 25 minutes to an hour, and now we are at the hour 11 mark. So I think I'm going to end it here. I uh, got through everything I wanted to get, get through. We had the Wisconsin recap. Uh, the Kansas State preview, and we just ended with a score and Friar Factor. So, whew, man, that was my first solo podcast in a while. I think uh, my last one was maybe one of our first episodes, like with Northeastern or something. I don't know. i got to check back on that. But this is going to be episode 21. Um, if you liked it, if you enjoyed, 
Uh, please follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's where you can find it. And, you know, if you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Talkin' Friars, at T-A-L-K-I-N-F-R-I-A-R-S. Feel free to drop us a follow, comment, questions, concern, feedback. You know, if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on. I uh, Just DM us. And, yeah, I mean, it's now uh, 7.58 right now. I'm going to order my Eden Street Cafe for dinner and then watch uh, Bengals Ravens with my roommate. Uh, this is going to come out shortly. Uh, I'd say in Spotify in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and then Apple Podcasts in the next few hours. I don't know why Apple Podcasts is slower, but it just is. But that's okay because it gets at both platforms. And, yeah, um, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you just so much for listening. Uh, I greatly appreciate it tonight as I'm going solo. Uh, just enjoy your friends. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Enjoy the uh, you know beverage or adult beverage you may be sipping on right now. Hope you're comfortable. Hope you settled in and enjoy this episode. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week or after Thanksgiving for another recap and preview episode. And, yeah, you know, have fun watching the game tomorrow night and, and go Friars.